If you're looking for inspiration and challenge in the world of early years and Key Stage 1 education, then you've just found it. Welcome to the Early Excellence Podcast. Hello, everybody. I'm Andy Burt. Welcome along to episode 32 of the Early Excellence Podcast. And this week, we're going to follow up on last week's episode on meaningful maths with a close look at children's books that are great for supporting and nurturing mathematical understanding. Now, the books that Luella and I are going to share and discuss are really varied. Um, we're going to look at Jim and the Beanstalk by Raymond Briggs, which is on Penguin Books. We also look closely at One is a Snail, Ten is a Crab by April Sayer and Jeff Sayer, which is on Walker Books. Um, we look at Shop The Shopping Basket by John Birmingham, which is on Random House Publishing. And we look at a series of books by Alison Lemontani, um, which are all about measurements. So how far can a kangaroo jump? How long is a whale? How tall was a T-Rex? All of those books are on Boxer books. We also look at The Ants Go Marching by Dan Crisp, which is from Child's Play Publishers. Okay, so lots to explore. We start by um, really looking closely at the value of sharing books with young children and really those holistic benefits and the emotional benefits. So we talk about all of that, first of all, before, before focusing specifically on mathematical understanding. Okay, so lots for us to talk about. Here's Luella to get us started. Books are something I've always used in my practice as a teacher, um, particularly when introducing a new concept or wanting to really hook the children into something new. I think books really allow for children to become part of a narrative and either to see themselves in that experience or perhaps experience something brand new that maybe they haven't seen before. Um, so I think books are, are a really useful tool all round for that kind of hooking children in. Is that the same in your experience? Um, yeah, definitely. I, I think, you know, those those moments when you think about about teaching, you think about those moments when the children are on the carpet and you're sharing a, a story, a favourite story maybe, that you're managing to bring really bring to life and the children are there with you every step of the way, that 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 isn't just about learning i think that's that's about creating a, a community to a certain extent that you're share you've got that shared experience together with your children and so even before we talk about different areas of learning actually i think sharing books is incredibly important you know sharing books in lots of different ways and using them as the starting point for different conversations I think is incredibly important that not all children will have those opportunities to share books at home and yet books actually I think I think help us help us to make sense of the world around us definitely but also I think more than that there's a kind of an emotional attachment there as well um, is that something that, that you you found you know in sharing books with children yeah absolutely and I think when we think about those characteristics of effective learning as well um, and and really 
encouraging children to become absorbed in another world. I think that's so important for their imagination and their creativity. And just like you mentioned about, you know, a lot of children won't have those opportunities at home, will they, to be exposed to, you know, high quality texts or, you know, poetry, rhyme, song, that breadth of books as well. I'm thinking about literacy in a bit of a broader sense there, I suppose. But I think, you know, you can really unlock another world when you introduce children to, to different books. And I really do think they're a really powerful tool. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Absolutely. And, and I, think, I, th- I think also you don't forget a good children's book, do you? You know, yeah. you know even, even as an adult now, you can remember the books that you, that you shared with somebody as a child where actually that book is linked to that feeling of security or warmth or friendship or whatever it might be. You know, that, there's an emotional attachment there. You know, um, you know that the, the author, David McKee, died just, just fairly recently. And I think what was really lovely about it, kind of after, after David McKee died, was the number of people who are now adults who, who then talked about how actually, you know, his books were kind of for them such special books that they can remember certain phrases from Mr. Ben or they can remember certain certain phrases from Elmer the Elephant or from Not Now Bernard. And that both the illustrations and the books themselves kind of are linked to how they felt at that point in their life, you know, that kind of emotional attachment, I suppose. Yeah. And I think as teachers, that's what we're aiming for, aren't we? We, we want to be inspiring children to want to go away and read those books again, time and time again, and have that little shelf of favourite books that they refer to, or, you know, perhaps introduced um, the rest of their family to these books as well. And a bit like you said, um, those books like Elmer, you know, they stick in your mind, you remember them forever, and you buy them for your children, and, and you introduce them to your class, don't you? So I think that's what we're aiming for, aren't we? We want to be inspiring children. And I think Books are a great tool um, to support areas of learning in the EYFS, but they're also a really great tool for inspiring children's curiosity and creativity as well. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, So within this episode, we're going to talk specifically about books relating to, to mathematics, aren't we? Which isn't the most obvious link, is it? You know, it's an interesting one, isn't it? And I think... I, th- I think when you think about the the value of, of sharing books with young children, I don't think we think about math straight away. You know, that, that actually, probably that's quite low down on the list. We think about literacy skills, of course. We, we think about characters. We think about story settings. We, we talk about rhyme within books. We talk about all sorts of things. We don't often think about the fantastic potential of mathematics, I think, within books. And yet I think we should, because maths really, I think if we're really going to, I, th- I think if we're really going to have effective maths teaching, then we've got to see that that maths is something which is has to be meaningful. Uh, and, and a way of making sure that maths is, mathematical thinking is meaningful is by using stories as a way of supporting thinking differently around mathematics, think, solving problems, thinking about eventualities, thinking about possibilities in a, in a mathematical context. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think as well, Andy, I think maths books uh, or books that promote mathematical thinking, they really provide that opportunity for that CPA approach as well, don't they? That concrete, pictorial, abstract approach. I think Mm. books are a really great way in for children to really see maths. Um, especially if, if the books have, you know, fantastic illustrations, which many of them do. Um, so the, we have those narratives for maths within the books, but we also have those opportunities for embedding those deeper concepts, I guess, as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I can think back to, to my teaching. I used to have certain books that I would go back to that I knew would be great for leading, leading into mathematical conversations and discussions. And that, to me, is, is, is a rich context for maths when you've got conversations and discussions happening. Because when you get to that point when children are having mathematical conversations and discussions, you know that it's meaningful to them. You know that you've created the right context. And I think books help children to create a, a rich context for mathematics. So the people who are listening, you may well have certain books that you think, yeah, that's my go-to book whenever I'm talking about measurement or whenever we're thinking about number or counting or patterns of number. Um, if so, let us know. There are there's certainly so many books out there. You know, Do get in touch. Let us know which books for you are the go-to books. It would be good to hear from you. Um, in terms of my teaching, I used to use... Um, we, I used to always use um, Jim and the Beanstalk, which is a, a really old classic now. You know, it's been around for years and years. Jim and the Beanstalk by Raymond Briggs, which if people who are listening, if you don't know it, I would certainly recommend using it. It's a great story. So it's, it's a different take on, of course, Jack and the Beanstalk, where um, this time Jim, it's Jim climbing up the Beanstalk. And when he gets to the top of the Beanstalk, he finds the giant but the giant is now old and in need of, basically in need of some looking after uh, and some some care, really. So um, it's a great story. It's a great tw- twist on a, on a classic. But the, the reason that it's great for mathematics and for measurement in particular is that Jim measures the giant for a pair of glasses and for some false teeth and for a wig And it leads to lots of conversations about measuring, which I think is quite interesting, and using measuring in in that kind of meaningful context. So really well worth looking into that. Um, As I mentioned before, I think books like that are great anyway, um, and are great holistically, not just in terms of mathematics, but certainly there, there are certain books that really do lend themselves really well to mathematical conversations and discussions. And, and so we're going to talk about some of those, aren't we? We're going to have we've got we've picked out some books that we that we thought would would be well worth having a look a close look at. Um, shall I go first? Is that all right? Absolutely. You jump in, Andy. I'll go. I'll, go, I'll, I'll jump in first. Okay. <laughs> right. So I have got um, in terms of books. Then I have got. Um, I picked up my favourite one actually, um, which is this one. It's called One Is a Snail, Ten Is a Crab. One is a snail, ten is a crab, and it is by uh, April Pulley Sayer and Jeff Sayer. Okay, so great book, really simple book. One is a snail, ten is a crab. If you don't know it, I would highly recommend it to you. Um, perfect for teaching really in any age range. 
So any age range within the primary school, I know that's a big statement to make, but I would recommend it for pretty much any age range. The reason being that it starts off quite simply. And if I read the first page to you, the first page is basically just has a picture of a snail. And then underneath it, is, it just says one is a snail. Okay, that's it. Second page, we turn over and it has a picture of a person. Okay, and we, we look at their feet. It has arrows pointing at their feet. And it says two is a person. Okay, turn over again. And it has a picture of a dog with arrows pointing at the, at the dog's four feet. And it says four is a dog. Okay. And it keeps going on like that, pointing at the feet of different creatures. So five is a dog and a snail. Okay. So five is the dog plus the snail. So here we're into some simple addition. Six is an insect. Okay. Seven is an insect and a snail. So we're into one more. Eight is a spider. Now, if I turn forward in the book, if I go, if I skip a few pages, okay, we then get into really quite complex stuff. So, 80, 80, 80 is eight crabs or 10 spiders. 90 is nine crabs or 10 spiders and a crab. Okay, so we're into all sorts of quite complex mathematics there. We're starting to think about addition, we're starting to think about multiplication, but all done in a very pictorial way. What I like about it, particularly this book, is that when I've used it with very young children, very young children can really start to develop the, some of those ideas around simple addition using lots of pictures, so simple stick drawings. So thinking about drawing people or drawing dogs, so the very, stick, very simple stick figures. But by doing that, actually, they can work in quite complex ways, working with number and number pattern. And I think that's an interesting thing that quite often the, the, the need to write a number, I think quite often holds certain children back. That if they're not yet there physically in terms of being able to write a number five or a number six or a number seven, that actually that shouldn't hold them back mathematically. That actually visually we can still work. And that even if, even if they're not able to draw stick figures, that actually they can use they can use manipulatives in the room to work out their thinking and to show their thinking. So what you know what would two people and another two people and another two people look like? You know what would that be the same as maybe? Now that we're into quite complex discussions there that I think are really interesting. So that's my that would be my top pick. One is a snail. Ten is a crab perfect book um, for really for lots of mathematical conversations and discussions um, I'm just looking it is on it's from Walker books Walker books and called one is a snail ten is a crab 
Okay, um, we will put the link to the book, to each of the books that we're talking about. We'll put a link um, in the podcast information so that you can link straight, you can, you can look straight at the book. Okay, all right, so that's my choice. Luella, have you got one there? Yeah, absolutely. I love that book, Andy, by the way. I think it's a, it's a really great book for taking maths that little bit further, isn't it? For, for lots of children and, and great for Key Stage 1 too, I think. So I've got, I've gone for a classic here. I've gone for um, John Burningham's The Shopping Basket. So I'm sure you've read this one, Andy. Um, it's a fantastic book. And for those of you out there that are listening, um, if you haven't read it, definitely worth picking up a copy. So it's called The Shopping Basket by John Burningham. And it's such a lovely book written in, in a very traditional style in the way that he writes. Um, it's about a mother who sends her little boy Stephen off to the shops and she gives him a very specific thing um, to go and buy. So there's a specific list and she says, pop down to the shop for me, will you, Stephen, and buy six eggs, five bananas, four apples, three oranges for the baby, two donuts and a packet of crisps for your tea and leave this note at number 25. So off Stephen goes, off to the shops, and obviously along the way, he meets lots of different people. Well, they're actually animals, um, but they are, they are characterised in the book. And it's really lovely because he meets these animals along the way, and they all tell him that they want something from his shopping basket. So he's got his basket full um, of all the things that his mum asked for, but these pesky animals along the way are asking for an item from his basket. And he plays a trick with each of the animals that he meets along the way. And gradually he starts to lose items from the basket. So, for example, the first um, animal that he meets is the bear. And the bear says, I want those eggs. And if you don't give them to me, I'll hug all of the breath out of you. So Stephen says, if I threw an egg up in the air... You are so slow, I bet you couldn't even catch it. And the bear says, me? Slow? And Stephen throws the egg up into the air and it lands on the bear's face. So what we start to see in this book, um, it's actually a, a really lovely read for children because they get really embroiled in the characters and involved in the book. Um, and it's quite funny too. Um, but what we start to see is we start to see his shopping basket um, slowly deplete over time. Um, and he goes back to his mum at the end with um, not quite the same amount of things in the basket that she asked for. So it really introduces that idea of, of one less of each item. So we start off with having all six eggs and then now we've only got five. And on each page, there's actually a visual. So there's those pictorial representations of, of one less of each item. And the um, foods that he's got in his basket are represented as pictures of each of the food as well. So you can start to see that subtraction taking place on the page and and they've left like a, a blank space for each item that's been taken away. So it helps to support that notion of, of subitizing as well if children are at that stage. Um, so it is a really lovely book. And what I like about it as well is, is the comedy element to it really supports that kind of um, personal, social, emotional development as well. You can have those conversations are, you know, should he have spoken to the bear like that? Should the bear have spoken to him like that? Um, and then those conversations there around the way that he behaved as well. Um, but it is really a lovely book for maths and 
I like it, Andy, as well, because it really brings maths into the everyday. And you might see children carrying this out in the domestic role play where they perhaps write lists for each other to go to the shop. And actually, if you've shared this shopping basket book with them, you might hear them using that kind of the language of first or next or after that, I met the pig. Um, so starting to explore those relationships within the book between number, um, so exploring subtraction or one less and, and that composition of numbers to 10 is in there as well. So there's, there's loads in this book um, about maths and, and it's not just linked to maths, but it's actually a really great book for maths and it's a, it's a classic. So if you haven't read it, I would definitely, definitely recommend um, adding that one to your basket as well. Oh, I see what you did there. <laughs> see what you nice did. Nice little pun at the end there. I like what you did. Good stuff. Very good. Well, I've got, um, I've actually been a bit greedy with the next lot. I've put three books together for my choices oh. next. Okay, so um, I've bundled them together because they're three books by the same author. And the author is, is a lady called Alison Limentani. Alison Limentani. And the three books are all fantastic books linked to measurement. So there's one which is How Far Can a Kangaroo Jump? There is How Long Is a Whale? And there is How Tall Was a T-Rex? All three are fantastic books for really tuning into children's interests around measurement. So... Um, for example, if we were looking at um, if we were looking at the kangaroo book, if we, how far can a kangaroo jump? Okay, all it's all very pictorial, so fantastic for um, discussion, for sharing with groups of children, and it starts off like this. So one kangaroo jump is nine point one four meters. It says, okay, one kangaroo. I mean that that in itself. Is fantastic, isn't it, to talk about? 9.14 metres. That's incredible. One kangaroo jump, which is further than the Olympic world record for long jumping and the same distance as two ring-tailed lemur leaps. Okay, and we've got the picture here of the two ring-tailed lemur leaps. Okay, which is the same distance as three penguin porpoises, which is the same distance as four rabbit hops, which is the same distance as five tree frog bounces. And it keeps going through in that way, linking different leaps, numbers of leaps, to the length of a kangaroo jump. Which is fantastic, of course, for then getting into that physical maths of how many of our leaps, okay, of children in our class would make up one kangaroo jump. Let's count them out. That physical math is fantastic. So there's one on the kangaroo jump. There's one on how long is a whale, which um, is a similar kind of structure. Okay, so um, how long is a whale? Well, we have got uh, one whale is as long as 
10 sea otters, and they're as long as nine yellowfin tuna, which are as long as eight California sea lions. So we're getting, again, getting into measurement, great way of using that kind of non-standard measurement. Okay, and then we get into two humpback whales are as long as one blue whale, which is as long as one great white shark, two bottlenose dolphins, three leatherback sea turtles, four yellowfin tuna, and five sea otters. So you've got that kind of non-standard measurement going on there. Um, and then there's also the how tall was a T-Rex. How tall was a T-Rex? And what I like about this, again, really pictorial, really, really visual. So it talks about how a T-Rex might have been scaly like a reptile or feathered like a bird. Its eyes were as big as baseballs. And it has a picture of different sizes of, um, of, of different balls, a golf ball, a pool ball, a tennis ball, a cricket ball, ball and then a baseball. And its teeth were as big as bananas. So great ways of, of really showing children the size of different things, to appreciate the size and scale of different creatures in the, in the living world or prehistoric creatures. So yeah, fantastic books for exploration of measurement and really finding fascination in measurement so that there isn't, there's no kind of glass ceiling there. You know, that we can talk about, we can talk about actually great big, huge things like a whale. You know, how long is a whale? We can really capture children's imagination by sharing books like that. Okay, so yeah, they're my next choice. What do you think of those, Luella? They sound great. They sound really good. And I like that, that there's three books there that are similar so that the children have got something to hook onto to um, really engage them into the next one. I like that. Absolutely. Have you got, have you got others there to share with us? What you got? I have, yeah. I'm, I'm going to cheat a little bit this time, Andy, because this I've got a lovely book here, but it's actually based on a rhyme. So it's a book and it's a rhyme, but I would definitely recommend getting the book. It's called The Ants Go Marching. Now, I'm sure many of you have heard the rhyme. And if you haven't, it kind of goes to the tune of The Animals Went In Two by Two. Um, so it's very similar, but it's The Ants Go Marching One by One. And I like this book particularly. Um, so this book is illustrated by Dan Crisp and it's illustrated beautifully. And it's actually one of the classic books with holes. So for younger children, it's really tactile as well. Um, but it's a really nice book because it's based on the song and each page takes you through um, each, each number. So page one would be the ants go marching one by one. And then page two, the ants go marching two by two, and so on and so forth. And what I like about it is it really focuses in on that pattern recognition. So it's an enjoyable book because children are able to sing along. And once they've learned the rhyme, it's nice and easy for them to be able to join in. So for children who are perhaps more reluctant um, to either join in with, with math sessions or to join in with books, this might help hook them in. But it's also really nice because the illustrations are beautiful and they represent the maths in the book really, really well. So, for example, um, on the page where it says the ants go marching four by four, 
the ants are all laid out and they are beautifully drawn. I wish I could show you, um, but it's beautifully illustrated and they are set out in arrays so the children can clearly see what four by four looks like. And in the corner of each page, it actually has the written multiplication as well. So it has uh, four multiplied by four in the corner of in, on the corner of that page as well. So you can see the array in a pictorial way, and it's a really inviting graphic as well. Um, and then you've got the kind of um, the, the more abstract maths in the corner of the book as well for children that are at that point. And then on each page. It's set out, so it goes, the ants go marching four by four, hurrah, hurrah. The ants go marching four by four, hurrah, hurrah. The ants go marching four by four, the little one stops to shut the door. So we've got some lovely rhyming in there as well. And they all go marching down to the ground to get out of the rain. Um, and I think it's lovely because the, the, the part of the book that's really tactile with the, um, the holes in the book are the raindrops coming onto the page so the children can actually follow the raindrops through each page of the book, um, which I think is a really nice touch for children that, that um, want that more tactile experience when it comes to um, counting as well. So it's a lovely book. It links in really nice with song and rhyme. Um, and it starts to bring in that idea of early multiplication. And children are able to kind of spot those connections, I think. So they're able to spot the connection with, you know, what? how does two by two look similar to four by four, um, yet not the same. So it's a really nice opportunity to expose children to uh, multiplication. And, and the other thing I like about it, Andy, is the back page actually has um, what looks to be um, a 10 by 10 array, um, a pictorial represent representation of the ants. Um, so you've actually got 100 ants drawn on that page at the back. Um, and it's actually set out into into what looks like a hundred square. So a really nice opportunity to extend that mathematical thinking a little bit further there. And these kind of classic books with the holes, they're, they're from Child's Play. Um, so Child's Play have put these together based on lots and lots of familiar nursery rhymes. So there are so many more out there as well. There's kind of 10 Fat Sausages, Hickory Dickory Dock, um, there's there's loads in there. Five little men in the flying saucer. So again, I'm sure loads of you are thinking you use those rhymes and songs already and um, to support mathematical development. And the book is just taking that one step further by providing that pictorial representation, um, which we know is is so important. So it's a lovely book. It's um, a child's playbook and it's illustrated by Dan Crisp. Very good. Fantastic. Yeah, I mean, that is something we really ought to sort of say as well, that each of the books that we're sharing, they are beautifully illustrated. And I think particularly for children's books, the illustrations are so important, aren't they? You know, that the, the right illustration is is crucial, isn't it? It just brings that the book to life or, or really enables children to access certain details within the book that perhaps we might not have noticed otherwise if, if the illustration hadn't been exactly the right sort of illustration. So, yeah, perfect. Very good. Fantastic. Thank you very much. Um, we ought to say as well, we ought to, we, ought to be talk, we ought to talk as well about where within our room we would have these books. Because, of course, these are, these are books. So the, the most obvious place within the room would be, of course, the book area to have them. 
And there's nothing really wrong with that. You know, having some books within your book area that are related to mathematics, I think, is important. However, I would also, I think, be thinking carefully about the, uh, the maths area too. So I'd be thinking about the maths area. Do you have books within your maths area? Um, because as we've talked about, you know, books are such a great way of, of hooking children into meaningful mathematics, of really capturing their, the imagination around maths, around whether you know how tall a T-Rex was or, you know, how long a whale might be or how long a kangaroo can jump, you know, all of those sorts of things that actually... Once we've got that, captured that imagination, that children's ideas will run and run and run, that sometimes I think a maths area can be quite a difficult area if, if that area isn't modelled really well and if we haven't got the right materials in there to draw children in, it can be quite a difficult area to really get children excited about. And I think the right maths books or the right books related to maths are a great way of, of drawing children into those spaces, particularly if those books are familiar books that you have shared with them. Is that something that you were thinking of as well, Luella, that kind of idea of where you would have the books? Yeah, absolutely. And I think I completely echo what you say there. And I think when we think about the, the educational programme for mathematics in the early years, there's that real focus now, isn't there, onto those nurturing those positive attitudes towards maths. Um, and I think books is one way that we can do that. So thinking carefully about where you have those books so that children want to access them so that we are nurturing those positive attitudes to maths is really important. And I think the maths area can often be an area where we think really carefully about the concrete manipulatives that we provide, but we don't necessarily always think about books as a first port of call, as something that can support mathematical thinking or particularly maths talk. And I think it is really, really important. So thinking carefully about having having those books out as part of your provision um, and perhaps thinking about using books as enhancements as well, um, because they are a really powerful um, tool. And hopefully you, you've seen that from um, some of the books we've talked about today, but they are a really powerful tool for supporting maths talk and really nurturing those positive attitudes towards maths. Which just about brings us to the end of another episode. Um, thank you again for listening. If you found this episode useful, then do please share it with your colleagues and on social media as well, if you wouldn't mind. We've talked about lots of children's books here, haven't we? Lots of books that are great for mathematics. But have we missed any? Have you been shouting at your phone or at your laptop um, as you've been listening to this particular episode that actually there's one that we've missed? If so, let us know. Let us know. Get hold of us on social media. So Early Excellence, we're on all of the different platforms pretty much. We're not on we're not on TikTok. I don't think I don't think we're ready for TikTok. I don't think you're ready for us to be on TikTok just yet. So we're not on that, but we are on just about all of the other platforms. Or if you want to get hold of me, I'm on Twitter at AndyBurtEEX. And Luella is at Luella EEX. So you'll get hold of us on there. Um, yeah, it'd be great to hear from you. All right, so that's about it for this week. Um, thanks again. Uh, thanks again for joining us and we'll see you next week. Mm -hmm.